0: before, um, I told them on the mission trip. We had all six of our seniors on the mission trip, and um, they handled it pretty well when I when I told them this, um, so I don't mind telling you guys. Um, it's not good to play favorites, right? I, I understand that, uh, but Julia, Maddie, and Natalie are my favorites, uh, and, <laughs> and the reason is because it's Adis, it's. I love you. I love you, bro. I do. I do. Um, and it's not his fault that he's not my favorite. It's just circumstances that happened uh, beyond his control uh, have led to these three young ladies being my favorite. Because when I started here uh, in November of 2011, they were loud, except for Maddie. Maddie was. She's gotten louder. Uh, She was very shy, but Natalie and Julia were very loud, little sixth graders, and um, they have, they're the first class that I've seen go from sixth grade through graduation, and so they hold a special place in my heart just because I've been with them, and they've been with me for six years now, and I've seen God challenge them in different ways. Uh, I've seen them grow in their faith, um, and to pass that faith on to others. Um, Natalie was like our little sixth grade missionary. Um, our youth group w- for a couple years was basically Natalie's friends. Um, like that's, that's who came to youth group. And so um, it's awesome. And Julia started coming because of that. Um, we had the Sandlins who are here now. Uh, Julia's mom comes and Mary Ann Sandlin come because of that group of girls. And um, the ripple effect goes out. And so God is, is using our young people for sure in our church. And, uh, those three especially hold a special place. Uh, just the timing, it was just timing Adisa. It's nothing personal. Uh, just the timing worked out that they were sixth graders when I started and just to see them go through, uh, has been awesome. And like I, I said, they, um, these three are the three that graduated uh, that were also here in sixth grade, and we have had many other students who have come in and out. Um, and you know, it's not—it's not the majority of students who stick with church, who stick with their faith, even. And. The, the awesome part of about these three, and really all of our seniors, so you're included, honestly, uh, this group is that all indicators that I can see are that their faith will has and will continue to play a meaningful, meaningful role in their lives. And so I'm excited about that, excited to see how God will use them and continue to uh, build their faith and to use that to impact others. But like I said, this isn't the case for all or even most of people their age. In fact, uh, there is, uh, the statistics kind of vary, but somewhere between 50% all the way up to 80% of young people will leave the church by the time they're 29. So youth who are raised in the church will leave the church by the time they're 29, 50 to 80%. So that's a lot. Like, best case scenario, we're looking at one of two of every one of our young people leaving the church between the ages of 18 and 29. Worst case, we're looking at four out of every five of our young people will leave the church between the ages of 18 and 29. That's a lot. That's a staggering number. And a lot of work has been done looking into that 50 to 80%. Why are they leaving? How can we get them back? We have to reach the young people. We have to be cool for the millennials. Like, we have to get them back in our church. How can we do it? And article after article is written, and there's little tidbits in there of things you can try, things you can do to get them back into church. And people try them, and maybe it works for a little bit, and then maybe it fails. But what really uh, I think is cool is there's this organization called Sticky Faith, and maybe you've heard of them, maybe you haven't, Um, but they started doing some research. They came up with these numbers as well, that 50 to 80 percent of young people leave the church, and they looked out into the world, and they said, everyone is looking at the 50 to 80 percent and trying to figure out why they left, and no one's coming up with like any substantial reasons. There's a plethora of reasons, and so if we focus on one, we're still missing the bunch, and it doesn't seem to be catching. So what they did was they said, well, in, instead of going out and studying those who left, why don't we figure out why that twenty to fifty percent is sticking around? See why they're still here, and maybe we can learn something from them, and we can that'll inform how we can go forward. And so, guess what? They found something. So there's good news on the horizon. Uh, Within that 20% of 18 to 29-year-olds who stuck with the church, they found a few different reasons, but there was one common reason amongst this group. Research showed that youth who had three adults, in addition to their family, show ongoing, genuine interest and care in their lives were significantly more likely to have a sustainable faith. And so the young people that stick in church... The 20% are the 20% that have people outside of their family who show love and interest and care in their faith, in their lives, in who they are, in building them up as people. It takes a village, as they say, and the kids who had a village helping raise them stick to church and stick to their faith. That's part of the reason why I'm here. Uh, for as long as I can remember, I went to church. Um, and my parents were faithful in making sure that was a part of my life. But outside of my parents, I had people who invested in my life. I've talked about them before, uh, some of them uh, up here, uh, but one youth pastor in particular, uh, Mike Aqualente, played a huge role uh, just because he went kind of above and beyond. It wasn't just on Sunday nights that uh, he would catch catch up with me and see how I was doing. But he would take time out of the week and he would say, hey, I've got to go run this errand that you care nothing about. You want to sit in my car and we'll talk while I go. And so we did that. Uh, and we, that meant something to me that he cared outside of Sunday night to spend time with me. Um, I had three different youth pastors growing up uh, at the same church there was like a year and a half span or so where we didn't have any youth pastor at all. During that year and a half, we still had youth group every week because we had volunteers in our church who thought that was important. And so uh, these names may or may not mean anything to you, but Kathy Ulrich and Cindy Logan were two women who had kids of their own but were somehow always at my basketball games and always at my baseball games and always had a Gatorade for me. And that meant something to me. Mike and Lois Hartwell, uh, played a major role in me growing into my faith. Lois was uh, my Bible study teacher for a few years there. I remember that. Yash Bakana is another one, a basketball coach that I had in high school, Coach Sareka, instilled in me values that went far beyond the basketball court. And in fact, I don't think he did anything to help my game. Uh, But but that was probably more on me than it was on him. Um, But He instilled in me what it means to be a man of God. Um, And so I'm thankful to these people because without them, I don't know that I would have stuck to my faith. I found trouble where I could find it. Um, And I think these people who I named helped me not find too much trouble and to really build a foundation for me to come back to when I stopped being so stupid, which I'm still working on. Um, But. I had people in my life who invested in me, who showed that they cared for me. And so when you hear this statistic that 50 to 80% of our young people will leave the church and leave their faith by the time they're 29, I hope that that stirs something in you. I, I have enough faith in you to know that you're like, we need to do something about that. But the question is, what? What do we do? Because for some of you, you're like, we have a great group of eight to 10 people who help out with a youth group. And then we have dozens of volunteers who help out with our younger kids uh, throughout the year through VBS. We had 70 volunteers. And so some of you are invested in helping out our students. Others of you for plenty of reasonable reasons um, are like, it's not, that's not my call to actually like volunteer and to hang out with these kids and i I understand that, so the struggle is what is the natural way for me to help and so uh, I have a challenge for you today um, and a way that you can do that, but before we get too far, I want to think with me about this time that these kids are leaving the church. It says by the time that they're twenty nine so You know, 18 to 29 in that range is when these young people are leaving the church. What happens in that time frame? Not for everyone, but for most people, this is major decision time. We are, or they are, making decisions on if and where to go to college, what to major in, where they should live, what job to take. Who should I date? Who should I marry? Should I have kids? Should I not have kids? When should I have kids? How do I raise those kids? Like 18 to 29, a lot of those decisions are being made and being formed. And guess what? They're going to make those decisions, period. They're going to make those decisions. But they're going to make those decisions with Jesus at the center of their life, or they're going to make it without Jesus at the center of their life. And as a church, we get to play a part in deciding whether Jesus will play a role in their decisions or not. And I I think we all want the same thing, for them to make those decisions with Jesus Christ at the center of it. And so, I want us to find ways to invest in our young people, to give them the tools and the courage to stick to their faith. And our church, I, our church does a good job, better job than some of the churches I've been involved in in the past, uh, better job than stories that I hear of integrating our young people into the church. But that doesn't mean that we stop or that, well, we're good enough. We're not as bad as them. We want to continue to try to get better and to do more. And when we look at our young people, I often hear uh, people say, they're the church of tomorrow. And, And I get what is meant by that and it's well-meaning, and I'm not trying to, if you've said that, I'm not mad at you. We're still friends, okay? Um, But I think we're doing both them and us a disservice when we say that. They're the church of today. They're the church of right now. They're going places that I can't get to, that you can't get to. I'm not allowed, nor do I really want to, hang out at a middle school all day, five days a week. I don't want to do that. And I can't do that. Our kids don't even want to do that, but they have to do that. But they're going there. And so they're going to their schools. They're going, uh, they're playing in their sports teams, to their after-school clubs, on their drama team, in choir. They're going to uh, jobs that we don't have. And they have a sphere of influence that we don't have. And so are we just going to hope for the best? Or are we gonna equip them with tools to have a faith that's meaningful to them and that they can share with their friends? We can't just hope that they all show up at youth group on Sunday. We get what we get, and then we send them out to their friends and hope that their faith passes on to them. But we can't simply hope. We have to invest in them. We have to build them up. We have to pray for them. We have to give them the tools necessary to share their faith. And so they are the church of today. And I think as a church, we have a responsibility to invest in the lives of our young people. And honestly, like I said, I think our church does do it pretty well. But I think we can always seek to do something else, to try new things, see if they're effective or not. We have that responsibility to continue to find uh, ways to effectively invest in our young people. One, because it's the right thing to do. Uh, but also I think we do them a disservice when we don't do that. There's also a selfish reason. So for our selfish people, I have selfish reasons for you to invest in our young people, all right? Um, We, the church staff, we were just away at a leadership conference And uh, T.D. Jakes, uh, maybe you've heard that name, he shared this story about his mother uh, who was battling, uh, she was getting older in age and she had early onset dementia. And uh, at one point she was still with it for the most part, um, but they had a meeting with her lawyer and the lawyer asked, you know, we see what's ahead with the dementia. When, When you aren't able to make decisions for yourself, what do you want us to do? How should we handle your finances? How should we handle the decisions that have to be made on your behalf? And she looked at her son, T.D. Jakes, and said, do what he says. And for him, in that moment, he shared that something dawned on him, that he had kids of his own at that point, and he kind of assumed, I'm raising my kids to be able to think for themselves, to be independent thinkers, and to be strong, and to be able to make decisions for themselves. And that's true. But in that moment, he realized, we're raising our kids not just to think for themselves, but to think for us as well. And that's true of the church, that right now, you know, our teens and our young people aren't making decisions about the church and where it goes. They're not uh, leading businesses. They're not politicians. But they will be someday, And the decisions that they make will have an impact on us. And so we want to train up our kids, our young people, to think not just for themselves, but to think for us as well. To think in godly ways so that the decisions they make in the future that will impact us will be godly ones. And so are we going to invest in them now so that they make good decisions, or are we just going to say, "Well, they're the leaders of tomorrow; they'll figure it out"? How much better for us to lead with them alongside of us now, so that when they have to do it, they're not like, "Oh my gosh, I have no idea what I'm doing." I realized having children that that's what parenting is. Like I, I was the third child, so my parents might have had it figured out a little bit by then, um, but and maybe not, but because as I've had two. Kids now, I realize my parents had no idea what they were doing because I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, you just have to figure it out. And we don't want to do that. Some, there's no real preparing for being a parent. You just kind of have to do that. But for leading in the church, there is preparation for that. In making decisions for yourself, there's preparation for that. We don't want to just hope that our kids figure it out one day. We want them to watch us do it watch us fail, learn from our mistakes, watch us succeed, learn why that worked, and then to be able to implement those things as they go. So, church, you have a part that you can play. And you don't have to take a huge step. You don't have to find a young person and tell them we're meeting every day for two hours a day and we're gonna do one-on-one Bible study together. You don't have to do that. You probably don't wanna do that. They don't wanna do that. And so you don't have to take this, huge, outrageous step. You don't even have to, I'm not asking you to volunteer for a youth group. I'm not asking you to volunteer for our kids' ministry. If God leads you in that direction, awesome. But that's not what today is about. Today is about taking a small step, a small step to invest in the lives of our young people. I'm asking you to pray, to pray for our young people, many of you give financially, we just passed some buckets, and um, there was money given and We thank you for that because there are financial difficulties to doing youth ministry to getting away on retreats and missions trips and the money that you guys give very generously helps the spirit to do the work in in those places but there 's more than just a financial need; there is a spiritual battle happening for the souls of our kids. We heard from Evie the things that she has been struggling with and battling with God about and over. Like our kids have real issues and problems that they are fighting through and they need, they need help. They need someone to talk to about that. But we need to be covering them in prayer as they fight these battles as well. And so here's where you come in we are uh, going to launch this school year what is called uh, the Pray For Me campaign. Maybe you've seen the posters on the doors. Um, What is that? Well, we as a youth group are asking you, the church, to pray for us, to pray for our students. Um, Over the next couple weeks, you'll find me and some of our youth leaders in the back, and you can come to us and say, I want to be a prayer champion. I want to pray for the for someone in the youth group. And what we'll do is we will connect you with one student. You will have one student that you will pray for throughout the entire school year. Now, I think that is important, and I could probably be done there, but there's more. Um, We're not just, here's a name, go pray for them. Good luck. I hope you remember. You get a prayer book as well. And every day, there is scripture for you to pray over your student that you are connected with. And you will pray through what they call the seven essentials. And these come from scripture. Uh, the first is Luke 2, 52, which I think we'll have uh, up on the screen there. It says, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And so the two essentials that are pulled from there are wisdom and and favor, favor with God and favor with man. And so you will pray for your student to grow in wisdom. And then the next day, you will pray for them to grow in favor with both God and man. And then the next five essentials come from one verse, 1 Timothy 4.12, which says, Do not let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, conduct, love, faith, and impurity. And so speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. You will pray for your student to be able to set an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And so every day there will be something for you to pray. There will be scripture for you to pray over that student. And I'm excited about how God will use that. Um, We're going to watch a video in a second and you'll hear them talk about some of this and you'll hear some of the prayer champions uh, talk about how when they prayed for their student, they grew in wisdom. They grew in favor. They grew in speech, conduct, love, faith and purity because you're getting in God's word every day. That's going to have an effect on you just like it's going to have on our kids. And so that is the step that I'm asking you to take is to commit to pray for one student for the school year and we give you the book so you know what to pray with and how God will use that I don't totally know um, how God will move in you maybe you will form relationship with that student and with their family maybe you'll just pray for them for the year and you'll you may not see the fruit of that but we're going to be faithful. In that process, and we're going to trust that God is using our prayers to move in the lives of our students. So let's watch that video and hear just a little bit ab- uh, from those who have been a part of this. So that's the challenge. Uh, <clears throat> and to clarify a few things, you don't have to go to the website. You can come to me uh, to register, and uh, we'll have your books over the next couple of weeks for you. Um, and students, you're nervous because he said in the beginning that students will invite three people to pray for them. I'm not going to make you guys do that, so don't worry. Uh, we will, as you sign up, we will connect you uh, with students. Um, and so I want to give you uh, some time to think about it. I'm not trying to just, you know, you're here today and you know I saw you and you're like, well, I guess I got to sign up because he's going to know if I didn't. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. We're, I actually, I wasn't even going to let anyone sign up this week, but then I was like, well, what if they're not here next week or the week after that? So if you do want to sign up, if you're like, yeah, easy, no doubt, I'm, I'm in, then I do have something for you to fill out. You can uh, come up here afterwards. But I ask that you don't, don't rush into this because you think I'm counting or whatever. Take a week. And pray about it. Is this the step that God wants you to take? And over the next few weeks, like I said, I'll be in the back. You can come up, and if you have questions about it, you can ask. We haven't done it before, so I don't know that I have the answers, but I can try to make it up on the spot. No, I can, we can do this together. And I think God will use this. If we are faithful uh, in this call, then God will use this in a big way. I want to share uh, just one uh, more passage of Scripture from Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. These are verses that I keep coming back to as a youth pastor. This is why I am a youth pastor, for what Paul says here. And so as you think about being a prayer champion, Consider these verses and consider if you want this for the young people in our church. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Isn't that what we want? for our young people? Isn't that why we're here? So that they can know together with all of the saints of all generations, young and old, that we can all know the surpassing love of Jesus Christ. Something I'm still grasping, I'm still understanding. It's going to be a long journey. I don't know that anyone has it fully figured out, but I would love to invite our young people on that journey with us, that we can pray for them, that we can be a part of this journey as they seek to know Christ, being rooted and grounded in Christ's love, as they make these big decisions in their lives that are intimidating and daunting, but that they can do it fearlessly because they know that Christ is with them. And we can play a part in that. So on behalf of the youth group, I ask, will you pray for me? Will you pray for us? And will you stand up now and pray with me?